Well, brothers and sisters, I want to thank you this morning for uh, your prayers for my husband, Tim. Uh, During and after his surgery uh, last week, he's recovering well at home. We have so uh, appreciated the many expressions of love and care from this wonderful congregation. And so so thank you, and please continue to pray uh, for his recovery. And now, good and gracious God, in this room together today, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts all around this room would be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it is indeed good to be uh, back with all of you after a thoroughly inspiring time uh, in Italy in the ancient town of Assisi, uh, the roots of which go back to at least 300 years before Christ. It is uh, an ancient place. And Leslie Alford and I traveled there uh, to take part in a pilgrimage offered by the Shalem Institute for Spiritual Formation. I know many of you are familiar with that good organization. And so for 10 days, we walked in the footsteps of St. Francis and St. Clair. I want to say I'm grateful to this generous uh, congregation for making the pilgrimage possible for me and for providing also time away so that my body and spirit uh, might be refreshed and filled up. Uh, My body uh, became a little too filled up. Uh, In Italy, there's a gelato stand on every corner, I I think. But the venture uh, to Assisi was designed by Shalem to be what they called a a contemplative pilgrimage, and I realized that that word might be unfamiliar, even confusing to some, especially in Baptist life. Uh, We're not known for our contemplative streak, although many Baptists do embrace contemplative practices as they follow Christ in the world. But still, lots of people wrinkle their brow uh, when we talk about contemplative Christianity, and so this morning, What I'd like to do is to hold up this word to the light and let us see what God might say to us in this place. Contemplation. From the Latin contemplare, it means to gaze, to behold, to observe, to pay attention. Contemplation. Contemplation also requires a willingness to take detours sometimes and to deviate from our, from our original itinerary. And our story today from Exodus points to a contemplative streak in Moses, I think. We heard now, just now, uh, about that signal moment in Moses' life years before he became a leader and a partner with God in the liberation of the Hebrews from slavery, years before God gave him the commandments uh, on Mount Sinai. See, all of that was preceded by the moment described in the text that Lilia read a moment ago, back when Moses was still nothing more than a fugitive and a sheep herder for his father-in-law. We're in Exodus 3, if you'd like to follow along. One day, Moses leads his flock beyond the normal grazing uh, area to Horeb, which is the mountain of God. And he's on the mountain, and an angel of God appears to him in a burning bush. And this is important. The bush is not directly in front of Moses. 
It must have been off to the side somewhere because when Moses sees it, he says, this is amazing. I need to turn aside. I need to go over and see why this bush isn't burned up. This moment in Moses' life requires him to take a time out, at least if he wants to do more than just glance at that burning bush, which he very well could have done. He could have seen that red glow out of the corner of his eye and said, hmm, cool, and kept right on herding sheep. He didn't know there was an angel in the bush, right? He could have said, you know what, maybe I'll come back tomorrow when I've got a little more time. Um, But had he done so that day, he very well might have died years later having never become anything more than a sheep herder, having never discovered the greater thing that his life was meant for. The difference in this story is that Moses is willing to see. Moses is willing to pay attention to something he notices just from the corner of his eye that causes him to deviate from his plan. Wherever else he was supposed to be going, whatever else he was supposed to be doing, he decided in that moment that it could wait for just a minute. Contemplation, to gaze, to behold, to observe, pay attention. We heard Jesus calling us to contemplation a few minutes uh, ago in our text from Luke's gospel this morning. Did you catch it? Look at the fig tree, said Jesus. Look at the fig tree and all the trees for that matter because when they sprout their leaves, you know that summer is coming. In other words, according to Jesus, if we want to know, because he was talking about the kingdom there, if we want to know what God is up to in the world, we can start by paying attention to what's right in front of our face. Contemplation, to gaze, behold, Observe, pay attention. See, put simply, a contemplative is just someone who's learning how to be fully present in whatever moment she or he happens to be. It's someone who's learning to pay attention to divine presence in the world, who's learning to see beneath the surface and to listen beneath the noise as Elijah did outside his cave, straining to hear that still small voice. As Mary did at the Annunciation, absorbing the angel's impossible words, the baby inside of you will be called the Son of God, and pondering, contemplating those words in her heart. So this morning, friends, if you want to be, if what you want is to be someone who lives and serves and leads from this grounded place in, with God at the center— then there are some things that you and I can do to encourage that. And before I point us to just a few this morning, I want to say this. I'm going to be fully attentive to that helicopter going on over right overhead. One of the beautiful things about contemplation, one of the beautiful things about contemplative spirituality, is that it's not about getting it right. It's not. It's about being present with God. And it's not about castigating yourself uh, for getting it, quote, wrong. There's no wrong. You just gently bring yourself back to the center with God when you realize you've sort of wandered away from that. 
I want to say today I'm a flawed contemplative at best. Most of the time I feel like my friend Mary, a Lutheran pastor in North Carolina who, like me, carries around this internal scorecard, you know, wherever she goes. And she says that while she's meditating in the silence inside, she's repeating this mantra, I'm failing contemplative prayer. I'm failing contemplative prayer. Friends, be gentle with yourselves about it. So this morning, I want to invite you to three particular areas of awareness to the presence of the divine, to the presence of love. First, throughout your day, I invite you to to let yourself notice when the velocity at which you're moving and thinking exceeds your ability to be fully present. Um, You and I live uh, now in what is arguably the least contemplative city in America. Uh, Nobody comes to D.C. for the chill atmosphere. They don't. Can you imagine it? I'm just so stressed. I need to go to Washington and find some peace. (laughs) Said no one ever, right? Many of you work so hard. And we live in this rocket speed society. But friends, we have wagon train souls. We do. And if we're going to be present to the tasks and the people around us, we're going to have to tap into what the 20th century contemplative Gerald May called the power of the slowing, easing back the throttle, not just with our body, but also with our mind, which is constantly in motion, planning, anticipating, strategizing, compensating. I mentioned the, the challenge of, of life in, in Washington, but, but I will say that I, I find this to be ironic. The pace of city life in some ways does feel slower to me than when we lived in the suburbs or out in the country. Um, and, I, and I think it has to do with the fact that, that Washington is a walking city. When we lived in Texas and then in Atlanta, I necessarily drove everywhere. And inside my air-conditioned car, I zipped around to meetings or to hospital visits, windows rolled up, music or NPR blaring on the radio. But D.C. is a walking city. And so nowadays, I shine with perspiration along with everyone else as I ride that huge escalator out of the DuPont Circle metro station. Some ambitious people jog up the stairs, you know, briefcase in hand, Fitbit working over time. Not me. I cherish the unhurried pace. There's almost always some street musician at the top of the escalator, you know, right next to the Krispy Kreme. And as I walk up Mass Avenue to our church, I try to remember to go slow and pay attention. I try to look at the face coming toward me, and I, and I try to notice the feel of my feet on the pavement. Every step grounds me in this moment, this breath, this face coming toward me. And and it's a gift. So this morning, I encourage you to be mindful of your velocity. Second, throughout your day, be aware when you find yourself operating primarily from your ego self. Let me be clear, your ego is not your enemy. It's not. Your sense of self from God is, is, is a gift that helps you function in the world. And yet, when we identify 
with our ego self as our ultimate identity more than our grounded in God identity, then we filter everything we see and hear and say through that narrow self-centeredness. How is this going to affect me? What's in it for me? What will people think of me if I do that? When we see and listen and live from our deepest true uh, identity beneath the ego, then, friends, the work we do, the ideas we offer, the leadership we give, the conversations we have, the prophetic actions we undertake are grounded then in the the healing, empowering, life-affirming presence of the beloved. So this morning, I invite you to be aware when you're operating mostly from your ego self. Finally, I say this, throughout the day, pay attention when it occurs to you that you're operating mostly from your analytical mind. And again, our rational analytical mind is not the enemy. It's not. Your mind is a gift from God. And the mind is relentlessly dualistic. It knows by comparing, opposing, judging, differentiating. Some of us may be even operating that way in this moment. I don't know. I like the sermon. I didn't like the sermon. The music was great. The music was horrible. I love my church. I don't connect with my church. You know, we do this, right? And our minds assign binary labels, good, evil, beautiful, ugly, black, white, right, wrong. And as long as we're aware of this, We can receive and appreciate our rational mind for what it is, helpful in many, many ways, and yet wholly inadequate for dealing with mystery, God, grace, sexuality, suffering, death, love. I think this is why the church keeps stumbling over these same issues again and again, and especially Baptists. God, love us. We are black belt ninjas at binary thinking. We are. But if we want to be fully present with God, our dualistic, rational mind cannot get us there. One last thing I'm going to say about the contemplative path this morning, and it's this, because some of you kind of struggle with this, and rightly so. Contemplation is not the absence of action. It's not. Let me say that again. Contemplation is not the absence of action. Contemplative prayer inevitably leads to action. Action that's grounded in the love and the will and the way of God. I think somebody who embodied contemplation and action, uh, maybe as well as anybody we've ever known, was Francis of Assisi. Today, he's the patron saint of ecology, animals, and peacemaking, largely because he understood that the entire circle of life has at its center God, whose name is love. Francis' deepest desire was to live the gospel of Christ. That was his mission. And for him, that meant living in constant presence to what was right in front of him. And as he did that, he became awakened to the immense amount of suffering in the world. And he didn't protect himself from that suffering. Instead, just like Jesus, he dove right into the heart of it, but without judgment or bitterness or cynicism. 
Like Jesus, Francis was a non-exclusionary bridge builder. He happened to live during the tragic period of the Crusades against Muslims. He is the only Christian ever known to have made three trips to engage in conversation with those whom the church considered to be the enemy. In the year 1219, Francis tried to stop the crusaders from attacking Muslims in Damietta, Egypt. And after being captured by Egyptian soldiers, Francis met with the sultan, Malik al-Kamil, who also was seeking peace. And together they talked about God and prayer and faith. And Francis honored and respected the Islamic religion even before his encounter with the sultan. Whenever he instructed his friars who were traveling to Muslim lands, Francis instructed them not to engage in argument or disputes. He wanted them to carry the gospel, not take up crusaders' weapons. And so when Pope John Paul II in 1986 and Pope Francis 30 years later in 2016 wanted to gather the leaders of the world's religions for a respectful interfaith dialogue, the only city in the world on which everybody could agree was Assisi. Because more than 800 years after his death, the memory of St. Francis carries no negative baggage even to other religions. Look at the fig tree, said Jesus. I must turn aside, said Moses. I wonder if Mary Oliver was thinking of fig trees and burning bushes when she wrote in a most contemplative poem, Belief isn't always easy, but this much I have learned, if not enough else, to live with my eyes open. Friends, may I offer you an assignment today? It's not complicated. It's simply this. As best you know how, practice being present in whatever moment you happen to be. There's such power in paying attention. Be alive in this moment. Be alive to the one who holds it, Jesus, who was and is and is to come and who's coming to us even now if we have eyes to see it. And so, God of the burning bush, God of the fig tree, for the wonders all around us, we say thanks. In your mercy, we ask you to teach us to pay attention and help us to deviate more and more from our own paths and to find you in ordinary moments. For indeed, your presence makes them extraordinary. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.